Bring it in, bring it in. Everybody having a good week? Starting to get cold again, no fun. What the world? It's like 60 all week. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and grab those? There should be a Bible around you. If you do not have a Bible uh, or uh, can't find your Bible and don't have access to one online, you can go ahead and take one of those that's around you. There should be a pink one or a black one or a brown one somewhere around you, a little pocket-sized Bible. You can take that. That's our gift to you if you're going to use it. If you're not going to use it, then leave it here for someone who will. Uh, but we uh, believe that it's imperative every week that you see that we're not making this stuff up, that what we put on the TV is not our words, but it comes from the inspired and errant Word of God, and we are here only to proclaim that truth, not our own truth. So uh, you want to have a Bible on you. It's important that you get in that practice. I know that sometimes uh, we're in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the cultural place where it's not cool to carry one, but you need to bring one with you or you need to have one in your hands. And this is merely just to help you follow along. It's not meant to carry the day. Um, we're on week 10 of Love Well, and I have loved so well this series. Uh, it has been, <laughs> it has been, uh, it has been a pleasure to get to, uh, to get to go through this with you. Uh, and what we, re- what we really said is that God is love and that he's shown his love for us in Christ Jesus and that the love that he has lavished upon us is so unreal, so over the top, so ludicrous, so unprecedented that we now, out of the overflow of what he has poured over us, we get to love other people. So, so as God has lavished his love upon us, we get to show that love to others. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. If you, if you have ever been in like the middle of a, of a summer rainstorm, has anybody found themselves in the, in the, in the, in the outside in the middle of a, a summer rainstorm where the water's just unrelenting, and it's, it's just, it is, it is unrelenting in its efforts to reach the ground, and you're standing there with no ability to stop it, you're just going to get drenched? That is God. God's love, and it's even more so when you think about how God has lavished it upon us in Christ. And what we've said in Love Well is that as God has loved us, it's now our responsibility to love others. That this isn't an option, that it's not a suggestion, that it's, it's not just a good idea, but it is, it is a responsibility. The gospel makes you responsible to love the people around you. And we said it starts at home with our families. It moves from our families to our church, our church family, brothers and sisters here that have been adopted up by the good news of Jesus Christ. We said that it goes from there into our schools and from our schools into our communities, into our communities, into our uh, areas of focus. And tonight we're going to talk about the nation. So if, if, you're going on a, if you're going on a missions trip this summer outside of this country, go ahead, go ahead and put your, uh, put your hand up. Where, where's Cambodia? Why don't you stand up? Stand up if you're going if you're going out of the country. Give them a round of applause. So, so these are these are, and we want to pray for you guys. We want to pray for you before this service is over. Uh, this is a team. There's 12 from Jersey that that are gonna they're gonna spend. $3,400, and we're, they're going to get on a plane, and they're going to fly to, uh, you know, for a day to another part of the world, and, and, and they're going to profess the gospel, and they're going to love like Christ is loved, and they're going to pursue the hearts of people, and we're going to aid missionaries that are about the gospel, and, and they're going to take two weeks out of their summer to do this, and, and at some point, you're going to have to stop and ask yourselves, why would someone go so far? Spend so much money and so much time and so much effort. Why would they do that? Because the gospel that we, 
that we know and love and the God that has pursued us and loved us and enlightened our hearts and the, the one that we worship and the one that we praise, he is one that has a heart for the nations and he's pursuing the nations and all of us have a part to play in loving the nations well. So uh, tonight I thought it would be good if Amber uh, comes up and tells a little bit about her story and why she's going to Cambodia and, uh, and then we're going to get moving on with this sermon. Say hey Amber. You got John's mic, Jer? Give it to us. disciples even in the utmost ways we can. My affections are stirred beyond comprehension every time someone mentions an opportunity to aid the unique. Sorry. The thought of millions of people going the duration of their lives, consumed by yet oblivious to the darkness around them, their lives without ever hearing of the precious gift of the gospel cripples me. Piercing the bubble of comfort, I fight so hard to accept myself so daily. The nurture is the longing, ever present in my being, to hear the shouts of good news of hope and life in Christ from every mountaintop across the globe. There is a passion in my heart for ministry overseas, to help hold and tell the hurting children going sick and hungry about the marvelous Jesus that loves them unconditionally. We cannot save people. Our souls are restless and prone to wonder, but Christ is. We are called to walk in obedience and bombard everyone we encounter with Christ's love, to live every day out after our mission, where the gospel is done after one night, and that is why I intend on spending my life fulfilling it. The aspiration and ache I have for international missionary work is rooted so deeply in my heart. I could, could not imagine a day without thinking about it at least once, attending Thailand to Cambodia this summer, planning on serving numerous areas in northern Cambodia. We are planning on working diligently the duration of our trip um, with a focus on helping with um, local construction projects. And I'm most eager to serve with the established missions this summer, assisting them in anything they need to do. Um, even though Cambodia is a host country, we are praying that through these projects, conversations guided by the Lord will open hearts and lives to the gospel. And um, this is a time for believers in speech and life and faith and activity. And then in Romans um, 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Good round. Good round. Good stuff. I'll take this. I love, I love the letter, and I, I was anxious to read it, and I, I loved reading all of our team's letters. Um, what, what we have here, and, and, and what Amber shared, and, and what we will be doing, and what we prayerfully will continue to be doing is to pray for and to go to the nations, and, and this is the reason why. 
the gospel that we talk about so regularly, the, the reason we go to the nations, the reason that we, that we love and pray for the nations, the, re, the reason we, we do all of that is because we believe that our God is the God of the nations and that the gospel will intrude and will send down and will stir up and will draw in hearts of every tongue and people group and nation in the world and that there are sons and daughters and there are, there are people who will believe in the gospel all around and that that when the gospel goes and and as it draws that those people will see the beauty of God and and will come to know him as savior as you have now this is this is what we need to discuss as we get going there are some of you who don't believe this and and you might not even identify yourselves as 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 a non-believer but but if if the God that you worship and, and the God that you serve is about you then you are not worshiping the God of the scriptures and you're not worshiping the God of the nations. If the God that you worship is about you, that's not the God of the scriptures. That's not the Christ that we worship and serve who sustains us and holds us together. If, you, if you're in this tonight, if you're coming so regularly because you believe that if, if you do this, then you're going to get what you want and have what you want. And, and in this world, it's going to play itself out. And I'm going to have a lot of money and I'm going to have a lot of cars. And I'm going to enjoy the materialism that this world has to offer. Then you have maligned the true good news of the gospel The fact that Christ has so loved us when we could give him nothing, he's pursued us to the point of death and he raised in victory to give us new life and that whosoever would believe in in him would never perish but have eternal life in him, forever to enjoy him and love him and know him and serve him and see him forever. That's the good news and that's the news that we wish to proclaim to the nations. So tonight in 2 Corinthians Four and into Revelations 5, we're going to spend some time talking about what it looks like to share the gospel and what it is to have a heart for the spread of the gospel and, and what it is for us to be missionally minded and how we can specifically take that to the world that so desperately needs it. So we're going to get going here and uh, we'll see how long this one runs. But 2 Corinthians 4, we'll start in verse 7, says this, We have this treasure, that's the gospel, we we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So if you're you're a note taker, you should be. Uh, If if you're not a note taker, then take notes with someone else. But it, it says the treasure, which is the gospel, in jars of clay, that's you. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Okay, so um. I don't want to like throw anybody here tonight, but, but we need to do this anyway. All of you, unless you are the last generation that will see the King Jesus, the Lord Jesus, come back for the church, all of us are going to die. That day is going to come. Ten out of every ten die. hundred out of every hundred die. Now, we don't know when that's coming. 70, 80, depending how much bacon you eat, right? We joke about that depending on how much sugar you intake in your lives, the day is coming where you are going to die. Now, there would be no one in here that would be successful at trying to prevent this forever in their own power. No one in here is going to go eat something magic or do something magic or something out magically in and of their own power to sustain their lives forever. You will not live on planet Earth for eternity in your own ability. That's not going to happen. Not coming for you. So, so when it says in jars of clay that, that we as 
been given the gospel, but we're jars of clay, what, what that's saying is, is that we're incredibly weak. We're incredibly We're incredibly in need because God is the one who gives us all that we have. And without him, without him allowing us to live, we wouldn't be alive. Without him giving us oxygen, we wouldn't be able to breathe. Without him providing us food, we, we would be hungry and we would die of starvation. God gives us everything that we have. We are weak creatures who cannot sustain themselves. But God in us gives us the gospel, and the lives that we have to be wrung out for the glory of his name in the proclamation of the gospel, in the exaltation of the gospel to the nations. You're weak, and that's on purpose. I was, uh, I grew up in Amish school, and uh, I was a Southern Baptist preacher's kid. So I didn't get along with a lot of kids, but um, the time came where uh, we would go out and we would play kickball, like first, second grade. And you know this scene where everybody lines up and two captains are chosen and then you, you pick your team, right? Um, got picked last every time. Can't figure out if that's because I was English and not Amish or if because I was really bad at kickball. Hopefully the first. I remember that this, this kid named Dylan Kaufman, who's a superb athlete, Always got picked first, and Luke Birch would come quickly after, and Chase Gerber quickly after that. And their team, and they, those guys would always win. And the team with the worst players would, would always lose. Typically, when, when you would go to pick a team, you had a mission, and you were going to recruit a group of people to participate in that mission, you would want to pick who? The best, right? You would want the people that are going to do the greatest job, or at least you have great faith in their capabilities to accomplish what you are setting out to accomplish. God, he doesn't exactly work like that because he is almighty and can do whatever he wants to do. But if you're a Christian in here, you need to hear me he's called you to enjoy mission with him, fulfilling the purposes that he has for you, even though he doesn't need you. And even though you're incredibly weak in your own ability, God can use you. That's wild. Like God, the one who has always been, who is right now, and will forever be, and you and me, who, who when the Bible talks about our lives, likens it to something super short. Your, your hours in the field that are here today and they're gone tomorrow, that God has called us to enjoy mission with him. Why would he call people that are so weak? It's so that everyone would know that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So when Amber read her letter, she said, it's not that we have the ability to save anybody, but it's that God working through us unto salvation through the gospel will do immeasurably more than right now we can even begin to understand. So if you feel weak, if you feel like, man, I can't impact the world, I can't, I can't do anything, you're right, you can't. God working through you most certainly will and he will receive the glory for such efforts. Continue on, Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven into despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. Now, I, I love what he says right here, because if, if, you're, if you're reading this, and, and you have even attempted to walk in obedience, then you see this. Like, has anybody ever shared their faith 
and sought to make a disciple and it didn't go so well. Anybody ever shared and someone denied it or didn't believe it or even mocked you for it? I've talked to countless students that says, man, I just, every time I bring it up, someone is antagonistic against this and they're not for it. And, and, and Paul's saying, we're, we're sharing and we're, we're going into towns and we're, we're seeking to make disciples and, and everywhere we there is a great amount of contention, but we are not destroyed here. We're not pulverized. Like, like, look here. If you are a believer, then investing, listen to me, investing in the kingdom of God, in seeking to share the gospel and make disciples of the world, it's the best thing that you could do. And this is why. Because God, catch me, God can't fail. He's not going to fail. And he is never going to abandon you as you walk obediently. Which is why we're forever going to be encouraged. We're forever going to have our heads lifted high. If you're in your schools and, and you're, you're, in your, you're in your communities and even if you're in your homes and you're sharing the gospel and it seems like it's not going anywhere, you can't fail. And God is never going to abandon you. Does that mean does that mean that everybody we share with is going to come to Christ? Does that mean that everybody we talk to is going to see him immediately? No. This is laborsome, and it is toilsome, and it is work. But God saves, and God does more than we could even begin to imagine, and God rescues, and God moves in mighty ways, and he allows us to be a part of that. And what a joy it is to be a part of that. Keep going. 10 through 12. We are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. There's a story of a man who professed the gospel around people who were uh, very, very malicious and angry against him for it because of his faith. And uh, he had a wife and he had children and they took him and they actually um, skinned him alive and he died in front of a crowd that celebrated his murder. Uh, in the early church, they would dress up Christians like animals and send them into cages with lions and they would be destroyed because they hated the faith that they had so much. And Paul, the one who writes this, he will end up dying for what he believes. In the third mile of Onesimus' way, just outside of the city of Rome, Paul would lose his head for his belief in Christ. Now, some of us, most of us, might not be called to such a part of the world for such a length of time where this might be what results because of our faith. You, you might not all be called to lay your lives down and to die physically because you believe. You might not be a martyr, but this is the thing. We can't even begin to discuss in 21st century America what it would be like to die for Christ. We can barely even begin to discuss it. And we can't because many of us refuse to live for Him. We refuse to give our lives to Him. We refuse to walk in obedience. We refuse to, to suffer through, through things that, that are 
that are temporal and small in comparison, we refuse to, to profess and to be about the good news while at the same time we want to talk about dying. Here, every moment, every moment of your life is a gift that God has given you. And if you're a believer, He intends you to use it for Him. To live this for Him. And if necessary, to die for Him. Paul, we're giving ourselves over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us. But life in you. How much do you really believe? And I have to ask myself that question. How much do I believe? And how far am I willing to go for that? Would I be like Paul? Or would I, would I fail? When I fail to put ultimate faith in Christ? Will I live my life daily for Him? Or will I live it for myself? These are questions we have to ask. Continuing on in 13 and 14. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. My, my grandma led this to the Lord named Darren. And Darren was a, uh, a redneck to the nth degree. And he came up out of a little town called Kilbuck, which is just outside of Millersburg. I don't know if you've ever been up there before. Uh, Darren's ideal night is uh, smoking hot dogs on the bottom of the Kilbuck Creek in a fire and uh, wrestling black snakes out of the trees in the middle of the night while they try to come and eat his food. That's what, that's what he loves to do. Uh, Darren would regularly get pulled over in our town for speeding on his bicycle. This is just how Darren worked. And he, I mean, redneck, dirty. It's like, have you, have you ever seen a shower? Not just like, not just like, you know, you need a shower because it seems like it's been a couple days. It's like, have you ever been in a shower? He's like, I don't need that. I'm too good for it. Redneck as redneck could be. He comes to Christ, tears falling down his face. He comes back the next week to church. And he's got like nine redneck friends with him. And this smells. I remember our classroom that day. And it's like, oh, who, like what in the world gets some deodorant? And Darren was sitting there and he goes, you know what? These are my friends. I led them to the Lord this week. And I remember my grandma going, yeah, you did, did you? He said, yeah. He said, I had no clue what to tell them. So all I said was, well, this is Jesus, this is what I said, this is what I did, and this is how he revealed myself to him, and he's awesome. You gotta try it. And these kids came to faith, and they're still working on their sanctification, growing in Christ, learning more of the marvelous love that he's given to him. That's four or five years ago. And this is, this is inevitable, and, and you gotta catch it. When you believe, you speak. When you believe, when you're transformed, there's this, there's this drive, and, and, and sometimes fear might override, and sometimes we might give over to the but, but ideally, as God has designed us, when, 
when you come into a relationship with Christ, you see the immeasurable worth that is in Jesus. More worth than is in money. More worth than is in popularity. More worth than is in relationships and in temporal things. You see that Jesus is better than those things. And there's this desire, or there should be, a desire for the people that you know and love to see that too. This, you have to know what I have in Him And you have to see for yourself how good he is. And that can be super scary. Especially when we talk about going to the nations. Going across the world. How many of you are going international this this summer? Going to the nations? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever been on an international mission trip before? None of them. And they're going to go. Any fear? Fear, yeah? Go up and down. Any fears? Any fears, B? He's afraid of planes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Only 12 hours. Fears? There are fears all over the place. Look here, though. They believe. They believe. They believe that Jesus is better and that Jesus is going to save and Jesus is going to work and Jesus is going to move and Jesus is going to stir and Jesus is going to draw and that his power shown in and through them is going to have an impact that lasts for an eternity. So we lay fears down and we trust in him for big things. We believe and so we speak. I love this last part. We know That he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with him and bring us into his presence. Do you know that no one can hurt you? Like if you're a Christian, do you know that no one can ultimately hurt you? The worst someone can do is to take your life. And Paul says if they take your life, that means you're going to go on to be with the Lord and that's better. What are they going to do? Christ has promised you that he will carry you forever from this life into the next. They take away temporal happiness, you have eternal joy. They take away your wealth, you're forever rich in him. They mock you, you have found a friend in King Jesus who is so intimate in relationship that you have no needs beyond him. They, they, they want to they kill you to die is to go on to be with the Lord. There is nothing that this world can eternally do to you that would take you away from the love that God has shown you in Christ. So even in, even in the eyes of this world's worst case scenario, you'll be victorious because God is victorious. You'll see victory because God will see victory. He cannot fail. It is for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now, I love this one. I love this one because, because you, guys are, you guys are in central Ohio, and you have grown up in America, and you have things, and you're blessed with certain things, and those things are good, but, but let's get our eyes up a little bit off of just our worlds here and start to think about this. There are people on the other side of the globe right now 
who love and worship and serve the same Jesus that you do. They don't speak your language. They don't know your name. They don't live like you do. They don't look like you do. They don't talk like you do. And they worship the same Jesus that you do. This, this news of the gospel, it began with 12 guys. And it spread all around the globe. And why? So that God would be seen as And how? Because this glorious God has brought up for himself an adopted family that could not earn him, but have been drawn into him, who believed, they've received new life, and he sees this family in Christ Jesus, and it is a testimony to the world of his glory and his grace and his ability to save. So that everywhere you go, as you proclaim the gospel, and as people come to Christ, God receives the fullest amount of glory for this. For he's the one who transforms. 16 through 17. This is my favorite. And we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I love that line. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Glory is synonymous with the word beauty. And weight can be taken as value or as worth. And it's heavy. So you, you see this, that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal, that's forever, worth of beauty beyond all comparison. That one day you will be with him forever and that as you see him, the beauty and the worth of that beauty that surrounds will be, on, will be beyond the wildest imaginations that you could even begin to bring up in your minds right now. That it's more beautiful than the most beautiful thing you could even begin to think of. And that it will be yours in Him. That you will see it and you will dwell in it and you will live in this glory forever in him and that's that's a question that I might ask to you when you think about the end of your life I would ask one what do you want your life to mean when it's over and number two when it's over what is your ultimate treasure what have you run for because your stuff, you can't take that with you. Your money, that's not going either. Your clothes, your popularity, that's going to fall away. It will, it will be miserably short. What will your life mean? And what will you be running into? The most excited, passionate believers would answer that question. I've run to make disciples to see this gospel save souls around the world and I'm running to 
my Lord and Savior, who is the love of my life and the desire of my heart. Like, when you're called and you go home and you step into glory and you view it for the first time, there will be one Savior who sits on his throne and you will see him sin removed for the first time and you will forever dwell in him and the beauty that is to be had in his face is more than we could begin to comprehend and it will be ours for those who are in As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. They will last forever. So, as we wind down, I've got one more verse, and, and I think prayerfully it'll, it'll make its mark. What is your life? What does it mean? What are you trying to attain? What do you want it to be? And what are you going towards? These are important questions. Are you investing in yourself or are you investing in something greater? The last book of the Bible is a book called Revelation. It was written by John who was exiled to the island of Patmos. John was actually boiled in a giant pot of oil and was taken out of that oil and then exiled onto a prisoner's island called Patmos and in his misery the resurrected Jesus reveals himself catches him up to heaven and reveals to John a vision of the absolute future so John gets to see what will be into the future and this is one thing that he writes Revelation 5 9 they sang a new song saying Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and your blood, by this blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You look right at me. There are people in this world that will believe and they right now do not. There are people in this world that will believe, and right now they do not. They, they will. They don't right now. And God, God, John, seeing into the future by God's mercy, sees every tribe and nation and tongue and people. He knows that there will be believers of all these places. That there won't be a people group in all the world that is not drawn. And you have been privileged to spend your life empowered by the Holy Spirit, preaching the good news, watching God save souls, watching people come to belief, seeing a world brought near to him by his blood, one day to worship with them forever. That's the greatest privilege that you could ever be given apart from your salvation itself in all the world. It's the three takeaways. How do we love the world well? 
couple 14, 15, 16 years old. I got no money. How many of you got no money right now? How many of you got no money because you spend it all every time you get it? Anybody like that? Man, I get money. It's burning a hole in my pocket. It's got to spend it, right? Here are some things you can do. Pray global-sized prayers. This is important, and sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we never think about people who aren't around us. Sometimes we don't think about people in general. We only think about ourselves. Pray global-sized prayers. Pray for the nations. God, raise up a people. Raise me up. Encourage me and allow us to take what we know about the beauty of your gospel to the nations. Pray prayers that are global. Pray for the nations that they too may see what we have in him. Think global size impact. Stop thinking small. We've got 150 in the room right now. Think bigger than that. Think bigger than that. The family of God is bigger than that. Think beyond just yourself. Think beyond just your, your world. Think about the world. And imagine biblically what would occur when God's people get on board and say, we're for this. We're going to work to this end. More than we could imagine. God will do immeasurably more. If we would put our shoulders to the plow and say, we're about this. We're moving in this direction to impact Columbus, yes, to impact Ohio, yes, to impact America, yes, to impact the world. You better believe it because our God has the strong arms and the broad shoulders that are necessary to see such an accomplishment happen. And number three, pursue global opportunities that are focused on the name and the renown of Jesus Christ. If you are an underclassman, the day is going to come for you where you might get to go on uh, one of our trips to Cambodia. Or maybe Carter, who's working with the International Mission Board going to Portugal, maybe you'll be going in that direction. We've got three ladies who are on a Nehemiah team this summer who will be in, in Thailand and Guatemala and where else? The Philippines. All, all, over, all over the world. Maybe you look for opportunities to go. And maybe if it's not to go, maybe you look for opportunities to give. And maybe, maybe if you have nothing and you can't give, maybe you plead with God and beg Him to do something through those teams. You can love well this way. You can have impact this way. You pray. You support financially. And you get on teams and you go. To see God do more than we could even begin to imagine. To see God rescue and save the nations. God can do it. And you've been invited to join him. As the band comes, we're going to wind this thing down. What we want to do is we want to pray for uh, our teams that are going to go this summer. Uh, we want to pray that God would begin to work through them. Would do immeasurably more through them than we can right now begin to understand. Um, and we also want to pray for you. Um, and maybe your prayer would be something similar to this. Right where you are, maybe you pray, God, how might you use me for the nations for gospel impact? Maybe you pray that way. You say, God, show me what you want from me. Show me how to walk in obedience. Show me, show me who you want me to take this news to. Show me what I might do. Show me how you might use me. Show me what you want from me, God. 
and to give me the strength to walk in obedience, whatever that may mean, whatever that may look like. So, team, why don't you come up here? You're up there. Rachel's up there. But if you're uh, going to Cambodia or Portugal or any other international mission trip, meet me right here, and we're going to pray. Face them. While we pray for them, um, maybe you silently also plead with God to use them because they're going into uh, parts of the world and they're taking the gospel to places right now. Some people that they'll minister to, they don't know right now, they don't know Jesus. And these team has the opportunity to support those who are taking the gospel to them daily. So we're going to pray for you guys and then... Um, as a family at Jersey, we're going to pray how we can further get behind you and how we can get on ourselves to have big minds, big hearts, big goals for the sake of the nations and the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. You've called us out of a world that revolves around us. And you have set our eyes on a world that revolves around you that brings glory to your name for you are the one who's worthy and we sing to you and we praise you and we worship you and we're about you in this place tonight because you are the one who's worthy you're the one who saves privilege God to have this students on my right and my left who have answered your call on their lives with obedience and have said we'll go and father we lift them up right now and we pray that even as they are a couple months away from their trips that you will anoint them with fresh oil that you will confirm in them their convictions to the gospel that you would strengthen their commitment to your name and your renown that you would prepare the way before them that you may allow them to be encouraging to our brothers and sisters around the world who believe in you and that in being encouraging towards these brothers and sisters that you would spur the gospel forward as you seek and as you save father we just ask that you would allow us the privilege of watching you show off Father, we cover our brothers and sisters in prayer tonight. We ask that your will would be done in them, through them, for your name and your renown. I pray that you would use their testimony to encourage other students who also might be thinking about how they might have impact beyond their borders, beyond the borders of their minds, beyond the safety net that is home. May they too believe so greatly in your saving ability that they would put all the chips in and say, I'm for this regardless of what it may cost. For we know that you are the God who can't fail, who won't fail. You will redeem and you will save. And we want to watch you do this. We'll glorify you as we see. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. When uh, service is over, they're going to be hanging around. You can talk to them about what they're going to be doing and 
how God is going to use them and how you might pray for them individually, support them well. Um, let's worship and pray. And maybe your prayer is, God, what might you have for me? Certainly find yourselves here. Plead for the nations here at the altar. Come forward in groups. Do what is necessary. Beg God to go beyond our borders to save in amazing ways. Is that cool? All right. You guys can stand. Let's worship.